The blueberry industry is like no other, passionate, resilient, and innovative. This podcast is your source for the latest information on the production, markets, research, and technology related to blueberry production. This is the business of blueberries. Here's your host, president of the U.S. Highbush Blueberry Council, Casey Cronquist. Well, welcome back to another episode of the Business of Blueberries, the only podcast dedicated exclusively to the blueberry industry. To say that 2020 has been a volatile year would be a gross understatement. Well, I know we've all experienced challenges this year. There have been some silver linings. For us at USHBC, two of those silver linings have been certainly this podcast and our recent virtual conference and expo. Today, we're bringing both of those together to provide you with 10 great highlights from our recent virtual event covered so much there and so many great moments and things shared. It seemed only fitting that we create a highlight reel of sorts here on our podcast. So in no particular order, here are 10 of those moments that I've pulled together that I believe you'll find particularly enlightening and inspiring. The first speaks to one of the key reasons we even have these meetings, accountability. Twice a year, our industry gathers together to help ensure that the assessment dollars collected are being spent on driving demand and growth of the category. This year's virtual meeting included a five-year study on the impact of the USHBC by Dr. Harry Kaiser. He starts with some technical talk about how he set up the study, but be sure to stick around for the punchline, the return on investment of USHBC. What is the total impact of the checkoff program on the demand for blueberries? In order to calculate this, we turn to simulation analysis. And what I did was I constructed a simulation model on the basis of the econometric estimates of these elasticities that I just presented. And then I ran an in-sample simulation for the last five years, 2014 to 2018. The first scenario, which is my baseline scenario, we need something to compare against a base is basically a historical, what I call the USHBC scenario, where all of the demand drivers in the model are set equal on an annual basis over this time period to their actual historical levels. And I simulate what demand is, what sales of blueberries are in the market. Then I construct a second counterfactual scenario. It's counterfactual because it didn't really happen where we pretend that there was no blueberry checkoff program and we simulate the market conditions under that assumption. So in this scenario, all of the demand drivers are again set equal to their historical values over the last five years, except for US HBC expenditures, which I put equal to $276,100. Why do I set it equal to that? That is what the expenditures were for generic blueberry marketing the year prior to the creation of the USHBC. So by comparing these two scenarios to look at what predicted volume demand in the market is, the difference basically gives you the total impact of the checkoff program on US domestic blueberry demand. What are the results? Well, here's a bar diagram of the results for 2014 through 2018 for the two scenarios. The blue line is the historical scenario where you can see that, for example, 2014, 
the total U.S. demand for blueberries was 856 million pounds. The orange line over time, or the orange bar, is the counterfactual no checkoff program scenario, where it's predicted, for example, in 2014, that the demand would have been far lower than 856 million pounds. Instead, it would have been 754 million pounds. And you can look at each of these years on your own uh, in this diagram to see very similar impacts. In total, over this five-year period, basically, I simulate that the U.S. HBC's promotional activities increased total blueberry domestic demand by 571 million pounds in total, which works out to roughly 114 million pounds per year. Put differently, this represents an annual average increase in blueberry consumption of 13.5%. Again, put differently, the way you interpret that 13.5% is, had there not been a blueberry checkoff program over the last five years, actual blueberry demand in the United States would have been 13.5% lower than it actually was. Therefore, the US HBC promotion programs has clearly had a positive impact on domestic blueberry demand. It's pretty incredible what this industry has been able to do. I commend all of the US HBC leadership that volunteers their time to make this happen. It truly does make a big difference, and Dr. Kaiser's work proves that quantitatively. At the same time, we as an industry can't rest on our previous successes. We have to constantly be proving our customer experience. And that was the message from Costco berry buyer, Todd Egan, in his presentation entitled, In the Search of the Perfect Blueberry, which is our second top moment from the virtual conference. Kind of where my mind is, is uh, these are the challenges that we're facing. Some of the older genetics that are out there. I don't believe the U.S. consumer uh, understands the shifting uh, genetics because the, they've got other things on their mind. It really just comes down to eating experience, at least from my uh, opinion. The increased competition. You know, if you're a grower in uh, Argentina, certainly you have felt the increased competition from Peru as that growing area has expanded so rapidly. We're looking at the attributes of quality for every area. You know, what are the protocols and regulations uh, that each growing area is up against? And how does that impact the eating experience here in North America? Folks uh, distance the market, the logistics. You know, it, it's always been a, a frustration of mine of how long it takes to get the fruit from South America to the U.S. Certainly, uh, I understand cold treatments and the time involved there. But I'm involved a little bit with our international business. And, and I know that we have a vessel that leaves northern Peru and arrives uh, to Dover in the UK within about 14 days. So certainly if they can get it to the UK in 14 days, how long it takes to get to the US is going to continue to be a frustration for me. Um, I know there's a lot of factors involved. It's not as simplified as I made it, but certainly an area of focus for us. Because the age of fruit matters. I'm a firm believer that uh, a great piece of fruit at day 25 would have been better at day 20. And so a lot of our focus is, is around getting fruit to market as quickly as possible and making sure that the fruit that we're buying has the right attributes. It was summarized a long time ago for me when one of my young kids said, Daddy, I like the crunchy ones. I agree. I like the crunchy ones as well. So 
we're going to continue to always uh, chase and, and make sure we're focused on the uh, eating experience for the consumer. We need to define the attributes of quality. We need to verify them once they're in market. Things like pressure testing. Again, I, I'm a firm believer that the U.S. consumer will forgive acid before they will forgive softness. So as I visit different places around the world and some of the decisions that are being made around varieties, I always ask the question of not how the fruit eats when I'm standing in Peru, but how does the fruit eat when I'm standing in the U.S. and the fruit is uh, ready to be uh, sold to the Costco members? We're going to always make our decisions around quality. So we want to be fair. We want to pay fair pricing. We're going to keep chasing organic. But if you ever uh, wonder where my mind is, it's all going to be around how do we improve the eating experience for our members. So how do we as an industry improve the eating experience for customers and for buyers like Todd? Well, genetics and technology play a role, and we'll get to those in a few minutes, but it's also going to take data. We as an industry have an opportunity to work together to collect and analyze data to stay on the leading edge of both global production and consumer preferences. That's why Nature Ripe Farms Vice President of Marketing, Carrie Ann Arias, spoke with her panel about, including Jessica Mann, who is the Lead Insights Account Manager for 8451. You'll hear from both of them in top moment number three. Let's talk a little bit about the industry organization, right? Uh, in the bio, we talked about how this is a specialty area, right? Bringing industry organizations um, together. How can an organization versus like a CPG, which, you know, I think more people would like, okay, well, it's Coke. I understand, right? I understand how Coke and Pepsi fight with each other at shelf. When you're talking about somebody like us, like, how do we use this? What's going to help us drive consumption as a broader industry versus, you know, one competitive item against another. Yeah, absolutely. So, I mean, now more than ever before, you know, bringing data to the table, um, making decisions is, is so important. You know, Kroger will continue to be a data-driven customer-first organization, and we really strive to have insights, you know, guide decisions made in and out of store. So, it's been great to see how data-hungry these food associations have been um, and we've been able to make pretty good progress on getting representation um, of associations across categories, you know, across the entire store. This really allows these organizations to bring an objective, data-driven point of view when having conversations with Kroger. And they could also bring this type of information to other retailer partners and their members as well. So, you know, I think being able to access the data and see it again from this objective view, you know, speaks volumes. So data is an important step, but we always have to keep in mind that data can be the fuel that propels the blueberry engine forward, but we still have to know where we're going, which is why our next conference moment was so important. But before we get to that, it's time for a crop report. During this time of year, we get reports that come from blueberry growing regions, areas like Mexico, Peru, and Chile. So here once again is your blueberry crop report. It's time for the Blueberry Crop Report, an update on crop conditions and markets from important blueberry areas around the globe. Today, you'll hear from Luis Vegas in Peru and Andres Armstrong in Chile. This was recorded on November 4th, 2020. Hello, everybody. This is Luis with the crop report from Peru up until the end of week 43, which is the week ending in October 25th. So Peru has shipped a total of 226 million pounds worldwide which represents an increase of 56% versus the previous season when 145 million pounds uh, were shipped until the same week. 
From that total volume, 50% has been sent to the US with 115 million pounds. Up until this week of the season, Peru has shipped directly to more than 30 countries worldwide. What happened during week 43? Well, Peru shipped a total of 23.1 million pounds during week 43. From this volume, 12.3 million pounds were shipped to the US. So considering our forecast for that season of 380 million pounds, we are at 59% of volume shipped considering that forecast. That's a report for Peru. Hello, everyone. This is Andres Armstrong from the Chilean Blueberry Committee. I'm here to give you the crop report of this week. The harvest continues to be focused in the northern regions, which is normal, uh, which are showing uh, greater accumulated volumes compared to the previous season at the same date. Meanwhile, the central and south central zones are gradually progressing, mainly with fruit from covered orchards and tunnels. However, regular orchards without protection are already being incorporated and therefore an increase in the export volumes are expected in November, which is normal for this time of the year. In summary, 2.97 million pounds have been exported up to week 43, which is 14% more at the same week of the previous season. So this is my report for this week. Thank you for the opportunity. Thanks, as always, to our colleagues from around the world who take the time to share this important information. And speaking of information, our last keynote was about data, and I called it the fuel that can propel the Blueberry engine forward. But we have to know where we want that engine to take us. That's why Michael Hyatt's opening keynote on vision was so important for the future of our industry. Michael is the CEO of Michael and Hyatt Company, who has built numerous businesses in the past and is a New York Times bestselling author. Here he is kicking off our event in our fourth top moment. You know, of course, I used to be part of the book publishing industry and getting clear on our vision, you know, was enormously important. And I think in any industry, whatever it is, if you can get clear and begin to act together, it can make a vast difference in the impact in the world because you can only do so much as an individual grower. I don't care how big you are. But when you start seeing that there's like a Venn diagram and you have overlapping interest with other growers and you can advance those together, that's when you can begin to really, you know, move the ball down the field and really make huge strides uh, forward. So that's why cooperation is so essential. And I know it's easy to begin to, to think of other growers as the competition or to think of, you know, other fruit growers or people that are competing with you in the marketplace as the competition. But if you can start to see where do we have overlapping interests and where can we advance together, that's when you kind of biggie size growth and scaling for everybody. It does make the pie bigger for everybody. We've already seen the impact vision can have on our blueberry industry with health research. Decades ago, industry leaders saw the potential and funded the research necessary to boost blueberries into a position as a healthy addition to everyone's diet. You heard the last episode about the ongoing efforts in this area from Dr. Eric Rim of the Harvard T.H. Chan School of Public Health. He was also a keynote speaker at the virtual conference and created our fifth highlight. So unless it really can become part of the way people think about their usual diet, it's much harder to sell something by saying, oh, it's a superfood. People think it's medicine, and then it just becomes less appealing over time. The way we're doing it and the way we analyze our data now is through healthy swaps. And it's much easier to think about if you're having a dinner. A healthy swap may be instead of a cheeseburger, I'm going to have a side of fish. Okay, well, that's, that's a swap. Instead of saying, just go add fish to your diet, I want you to think about your own diet saying, what could I take out where I could add in fish? And I think 
blueberries could do that too. Let's think about healthy swaps. You know, frequently say, oh, why don't you just have blueberries with dessert? Or why don't you, you know, put some blueberries in a kid's lunch? I think that's great. And I think it's good for people to think about blueberries, but you can't just add a new serving of something to someone's diet because if they leave everything else the same, they'll gain weight. If you just add a handful of almonds to everybody's diet and don't think about anything else you're taking out, that person will gain weight. So for blueberries, even though everybody knows they're healthy, try to help people understand, let's see if for dessert you had blueberries three times a week instead of cookies. Think about blueberries as a dessert. Or how about in your salad? Instead of sprinkling in a quarter or a half of egg, sprinkle in blueberries. So it's a healthy swap. And essentially what you're doing is saying, I'm going to create something that's about the same calories. It'll be just as fulfilling. And I'm not going to tell you that it's a lot healthier, but it's just another place to have something that everybody knows tastes delicious. And it's a way to sort of put it into their regular diets. And so the proposal that's just been accepted at USHBC for funding is about doing these healthy swaps, analyzing our data, saying what happens if people had blueberries three times a week instead of having a dessert three times a week? How does that predict their long-term risk of healthy aging? How does that predict their long-term risk of not having cognitive decline? So it makes the, the analysis a little more technical, but I think it's much easier to understand the interpretation. So when I'm talking to the media, instead of just saying, oh, add blueberries to your diet, people who had two to four servings a day were healthier, it's much easier to say people who swapped out less healthy foods, people who had blueberries instead of desserts, people who had blueberries as a side with their meal instead of french fries, that's much easier to understand. And it turns out the data show us that it's a much healthier way to eat. I like this concept of healthy swaps, and I think it's something we should keep in mind as we continue to encourage consumers to eat more blueberries. People are going to want to buy more blueberries if they receive a high-quality product every single time. That starts with improving genetics. Dr. Michael Dose, a research scientist with BC Berry Cultivar Development, gave a presentation at our conference titled, What's New in Blueberry Genetics? That's today's sixth top moment. I'm going to talk now for just a minute on sort of uh, what I see as, as the trends with breeding programs. All of the varieties that are currently being widely planted have some shortcoming or another. As much as breeders would like to say that their varieties are perfect, I think all of us that are really involved in this realize that breeding is a game of moving goalposts. So you're putting something out there that represents an improvement and, and hopefully is something that growers will be able to make work. But there's always room for improvement or fixing some other part of that puzzle. And it's, I think it's, it's going to remain that way. So tremendous room for improvement in varieties at all chill levels. I think the focus is going to continue to be on quality. Probably the most important attribute on that that the people are really emphasizing is firmness. Size is also being emphasized. Flavor, it's nice to see flavor being emphasized more and more. I would say that in the current marketplace, flavor is important as long as you reach sort of a baseline threshold of acceptability. I think that down the road, as there's more and more things in the marketplace for people to choose from, that acceptability is going to shift and we're going to be needing better and better flavored varieties to be able to keep the markets for our fruit. 
Advancements in genetics is a topic we're going to address on a future episode of this podcast, so stay tuned for that. For now, it's time for our newest segment of the podcast, our Marketing Boost, with NABC and USHBC Vice President of Marketing and Communication, Jennifer Sparks. Take it away, Jenny. Thanks, Casey. And welcome to the Marketing Boost, where we talk about tips, tools, and trends to help you boost awareness of the world of blueberries. Have you ever heard the saying, we eat with our eyes first? It's true. Think about it. When food looks delightfully delicious, we want to dive right in. And aren't we lucky in the blueberry industry to have a product that meets all of our sensory systems, taste, smell, vision, and touch. Blueberries are positive for all of them. But ah, I left one out, one that is vital to a podcast, and that's the auditory sensory system. Blueberries have that covered too, when you think about the words used to describe them. Crunchy, sweet, tart, juicy, plump, luscious, savory. These words all make our mouths water for blueberries. But what do sensory systems have to do with marketing? Everything. The visual images and descriptive words can make or break the consumer's first experience with blueberries. Used together, they are key components of the USHBC marketing strategy to bring attention and drive demand. And they should be top of mind in your company's marketing strategy as well. Here's the great news. A key benefit of USHBC offerings is professional photography and resources you can use in your own marketing. Not sure what we have? Follow us on social media. Check out pinterest.com slash blueberrylife to download images. And find additional tools at ushbc.org slash resources. Just look under the Blueberry Method and National Blueberry Month sections. The work has been done for you. All you need to do is download and go. And stay tuned for a lot more new tools and advice to help you in your marketing in the coming year. This has been your Marketing Boost. Thank you for your partnership, as together we inspire the world to experience the amazing benefits of blueberries. Thanks, Jenny. It's great to include more actionable insights on the podcast with that weekly marketing boost. We're down to just a few highlights left from this year's virtual conference and expo. This one comes from Produce Marketing and Association Vice President of Technology, Vani Estes. Vani had a really compelling presentation entitled Technology Solutions to Industry Problems. So this is the biggest issue to all of us in fresh grown products. And the issue is availability of labor. And more lately, it's been around keeping our, our people safe. So there's kind of three areas of solution I'll touch on. And, and one is mechanical harvesting. So sort of the, the big solutions of mechanical harvesting. Second is augmentation. So kind of a step before the big solution of doing all the harvesting or all the work through one big machine. But how can we reduce the labor force by using augmentation and different types of technology. And then gathering data and um, using analytics to use less labor and use labor better. Um, so I know Oxbow is speaking this afternoon and I first heard about their work in Blueberry. I mean, they're a big company, I'd heard of them before, but I heard about their work in Blueberry on the Business of Blueberries podcast where there's a great conversation about how Oxbow is working with the blueberry industry and really understanding the different types of equipment and how to use it and when to use it and maybe not every time you harvest and maybe not for exports. And I thought it was an amazing conversation 
of a company really working with producers to understand what the needs are and meet those needs very specifically in kind of smaller pieces of equipment with different ways of, of changing things in and out. So I, I think it's a great solution and really uh, suggest people look at that if they haven't. I've spent a lot of time since COVID listening to podcasts and I came across this podcast and it's now one of my favorites. They do a great job of really talking about what are the issues in the industry and how do we solve them, which is what I really love to talk about. So if you aren't subscribers to this uh, podcast, I really suggest that you do that and, and listen to them. Some great insights from Vani, who included all sorts of interesting technology in her presentation, including some we have featured here on this podcast, like Oxbow and Burrow. And pro tip for anyone who wants to make the list of conference highlights next year, give a shout out to the business of blueberries. Certainly won't hurt your chances. Thank you very much, Vani. A favorite session for many attendees was our 20th anniversary celebration. It really was a special time to celebrate people who have shaped our industry. I think Lori Merker said it best in her comments, which is our next highlight. Along the way, I've also had the great pleasure of getting to know so many wonderful individuals that serve this industry. I was here in 1994 when Mark Villada was hired as our first executive director. He served us well for 25 years, and I was fortunate enough to serve on the search committee last year when we hired Casey Cronquist as our new leader. And there are so many other Blueberry volunteers here who have worked so tirelessly to ensure these councils and these friendships endure. Names that end with Galetta, Hurst, Brazelton, Moore, Carini, Patterson, Barnhill, Gowen, Bennett, Fritz, and Bodke, to name just a few. And last but certainly not least, I'm most proud to call this list of hardworking individuals and families my friends. And so many others here, like Bo, Shelley, Doug, Adair, Dottie, Dave, Brian, Ray, Brittany, Rod, and Denny, my friends and colleagues. We truly are a Blueberry family. So many of us having seen each other through raising children, having grandchildren, and often saying goodbye to dearly departed loved ones, some way too young. My age old adage is my well only runs so deep. We do carry a lot more water when we work together. Thank you to Lori for her comments and to all who attended to make the 20th anniversary celebration so special. One thing I find inspiring about a lot of people she mentioned is that they still have such a passion for this industry. There are always new things to learn about blueberries. That was very evident in our culinary demonstrations that were a part of the virtual conference. Chef Rosalind Darling is the Associate Culinary Director at SRG. She demonstrated the power of blueberries in a delicious compote and explains how chefs are using frozen and fresh blueberries in different ways. Here's Chef Rosie in our ninth conference moment. Oh man, I love how using frozen blueberries in this application, using that pectin, like the natural power of that blueberry as an ingredient is just spectacular. I would say that if you wanted to, I mean, you could still use fresh. I like using fresh more for when you want to really celebrate like the orb in itself as its whole. You could also use um, dried infused blueberries if you wanted to make a really big hit of flavor. So using frozen with the dried 
uh, infused blueberries in the compote adds a different texture and, and a different dynamic flavor to it that I really love. And, you know, I'm talking about a savory use of the blueberry compote, but you could still go back to sweet if you wanted. You can add cinnamon, you could add basil, you can add mint, you can add lemon. The flavors, it's really versatile based on whatever concept or flavor profile or part of the world that you're going for. It's just more of how easy it is to make your own blueberry compote instead of just, you know, buying it pre-made. And the flavor will always be better when you make it um, just a little bit from scratch. Listening to chefs describe the power of blueberries always makes me hungry. But as you're beelining it for the fridge, make sure you stick around for our final top conference moment. This one's a fitting way to round out this episode because it answers a question that may come to your mind when you attend a conference, virtual or otherwise. The question is, well, this is all great, but where do we go from here? We sought to answer that question during our USHBC NABC brand reveal, and our final top conference moment clip explains it with our new direction, Inspiring Possibilities. I can't be more excited to share with you how we are going to unite the industry together with Inspiring Possibilities. That's right, Inspiring Possibility is really the combination of the two organizations, their brand identities, laddering up to what we both stand for as organizations. The left hand and the right hand working together to inspire our industry. And we believe this uniting message, this Inspiring Possibilities is something we can all communicate working together. This is something that the entire industry can adapt and use and be talking about as we move forward from here. We aligned on this kaleidoscope berry design that we feel most completely represents the full brand strategy with the visual components that feel modern, inspiring, and future-focused. It's multidimensional and committed to the tremendous possibilities for our programs and audiences with blueberries. Again, I'm personally excited about this because now we get to activate. That's the next step when we've got this house together and our brand platform built. We're going to begin activating as we go forward from here. So... As you might imagine, you're going to start to see this everywhere. Obviously, business cards and hats and pens and on our office. And I just can't tell you how excited I am to have this house in order for us to move forward, inspiring possibilities as an industry together. I hope you're as excited as I am. And I hope you enjoy your hats if you're one of the first 500 who signed up for our conference and received the swag pack that we sent out for this week ahead. Uh, if not, we're going to be able to make those hats available to you online here shortly after the conference ends. But again, more importantly, we really feel like this sets the stage for a tremendous opportunity ahead for our industry, the next blue wave, as we begin to organize all of our programs around this anchoring brand family. I couldn't be more excited, and I hope you are too. But like I said, I'm genuinely excited to continue to inspire possibilities with not only this new brand reveal, but the tremendous information and connections made through this year's virtual conference and expo. Whether you were able to attend or not, I hope this podcast episode provided a great recap of the kind of information shared during the week. This was just a small sample of all the great sessions, subjects, and information we were able to provide at our recent event. If there was something you missed or, or you'd like to hear the entirety of any of these moments from our conference, I'd encourage you to go back to blueberryevents.org and catch any of the sessions that you may have missed or want to hear again. I certainly have been, and I've appreciated all of our speakers and sponsors who made it possible for us to continue to push, drive, and inspire with all that's yet to come for our industry. Well, that's it for this episode of the Business of Blueberries. Make sure you subscribe and stay tuned as we have more great episodes planned for you throughout the year. 
We'll be right back here next week with more innovation, collaboration, family, and hard work right here on the Business of Blueberries.